Shalom Uzracha to all the listeners. What a privilege, what a schus, to be able to spend a few minutes with you this Chalamayit speaking about Rabbi Nachman ben Fega's schus Yagnaleinu, Rabbeinu HaKadosh, Rabbi Nachman Mibreslev. I want to thank the at uh, Yardzeit's Twitter account for making this possible, this incredible Keshel the Tzadik podcast, to keep us connected to the Tzadikim. It shouldn't just be a Rita Luach, and you know, okay, this Yardzeit today, that Yardzeit today, but we have a kesher to the tzaddikim. We're able to connect with them. We're able to connect with their teachings. We're able to allow their legacy to infuse our lives and light the way before us. So just by way of introduction, I want to speak just for a few short minutes about the biographical nature of Rabbi Nachman's life. The tzaddik was born in the year 1772 in the Baal house himself a great-grandson of the Balshemtov. His mother was Fega, a remarkable, remarkable woman who had such incredible powers of spirit that they referred to her as Fega Lahanavia. They referred to her almost like a prophetess because she had such incredible Ruach HaKodesh. Fega was the daughter of Adol, and Adol was the daughter of the Balshemtov. So Rabbi was Mamish, born in the Balshemtov's house, which had been an inheritance from Adol down to Fega, and, uh, and and her husband Simcha, that ultimately came down to uh, through the family to enable Rabbi Nachman to be born and raised in that house in the Malshemtov's place in Mezbuz. And from a very young age, Rabbi Nachman was different. It was apparent that Rabbi Nachman was different, even though he tried to hide it as much as possible. And he tried to just play silly games with the rest of the kids in the city, in the town rather, in that little village of Mezbuz. But... At night, Rabbi Nachman's mind and heart were plumbing the depth of the Torah. And he had a tremendous yearning, a tremendous, tremendous yearning, not simply to be a Talmud Chacham, to learn and to absorb Torah knowledge, but he had a gagua, a tremendous longing in the aspect of Tzamalacha Nafshi, Kamalacha Basari, the Eretz Tziyav Ayef Belimayim, a tremendous Ka'ayot Tarek, like a, an Ariga, an awesome, awesome yearning to perceive and to feel and to experience the presence of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. And as any spiritual seeker knows, that path is fraught with challenge and difficulty and frustration, all of which Rabbi Nachman himself experienced. And as he grew older and tried different Avaidas, one of which at the age of six, involved not chewing his food, but just pushing the food right down his throat so that he wouldn't taste, have any pleasure, this worldly gratification from the taste. As he matured and developed, Rabbi Nachman personally discovered certain unique pathways that enabled him to deal head-on with his challenges, his difficulties, many of which would become foundations of his spiritual path that he gave over to his Talmidim, to his Hasidim that came after him. One of these mighty foundations of Rabbi Nachman's own experience was beginning again, the concept of his chadshus every day, and not just every day, but Rabbi Nachman said that he would need to start again many, many times. And again, this is all on his level, but this was something that Rabbi Nachman spoke about so often because it was something that he himself practiced personally. Another pillar of Rabbi Nachman's path was his spodidus, personal prayer. Rabbi Nachman would take a little boat, a little raft, and he would go out on, on the river in, in the outskirts of Mezbuz, and over there he would mamish speak to Hakadosh Baruch Hu in his own in his own words, and uh, this also involved Rabbi Nachman taking his father's horse, and taking it out into the depth of the forest while he was still very young, and he would tie the horse to the tree, but invariably the, the horse would get loose, and without him even knowing, the horse would run back home and give everybody a great scare. But of course Rabbi Nachman was just 
involved in his avoda. And again, this was another personal discovery of Rabbeinu HaKadosh that enabled him to excel in his own avoda that he ultimately gave over to others. As Rabbi Nachman grew older, he reached the age of Bar Mitzvah. Back then, the custom was that the day of the Bar Mitzvah was also the day that the, uh, the Bar Mitzvah Bachar was married off, so it was his wedding day as well. And over there, Rabbi Nachman began to speak to those around him about Avodah Hashem and reveal a little bit of the storehouses of incredible treasures and gifts, spiritually speaking, that Rabbi Nachman's soul contained. And he somewhat started his Hasidus on that very day. He began to attract followers, many of whom were way older than Rabbi Nachman, years, decades, decades older. And Rabbi Nachman began to teach. Rabbi Nachman began to reveal Torah teachings, the likes of which those that were listening had never really heard in the sense of their uniqueness, in the sense of their scope, in the sense of their depth. Rabbi Nachman lived in a number of different places, in the city of Breslov, of course, his, his Hasidim being, being named and called and referred to as Breslov or Hasidim. Rabbi Nachman lived in a number of other places um, as, uh, as well. Rabbi Nachman would travel a great deal. Every year he had certain set times where he would travel, sometimes alone, sometimes with Hasidim, always on mysterious journeys. And Rabbi Nachman felt that he was positioned in the generation that he had been born into for the purpose of reinstating the spiritual glory of the dar of the generation of the Baal Shemta that he felt only two generations later had begun to dim that mighty flame <clears throat> under the ice of uh, institutionalization. And this, that it had, so to speak, become a culture. And Rabbi Nachman felt that he needed to bring it back to what the Baal Shem Tov envisioned. Like Rabbi Nachman said, he said, it's good, you're all fine people about his chassidim. But he said, this is not what I wanted. I wanted that you should be up, roaring in the forest, full nights. Rabbi Nachman had a different vision of what spiritual success meant, what Avodah Hashem meant. It was wild, it was chutzlikvul, it was extreme in every way, but at the same time it was centered, it was balanced, it was healthy. The way that Rabbi Nachman was able to give over the tension of opposites in Avodah Hashem to be able, as we'll speak in a couple of moments, to give each and every Jew the greatest chizik in the world, to let him know that you've never fallen too far. Chizik that Rabbi Nachman himself needed during his incredible turbulent spiritual experience and growth but ultimately to keep on pushing his chassidim higher, greater heights, not to settle, but to, to give them a little bit of a glimpse of what spiritual glory looked like and what madrigas were possible to be reached if one would only follow Rabbi Nachman's path. As he said, if you will take my hand and walk with me, I will turn you in to tzaddikim kamoini mamish, literally at my level, which was of course an, an enormously exalted level, which we don't have to rely on chassidim telling us that Rabbi Nachman's level was exalted, but as Rabbi Nassim, his primary disciple, writes in a number of places in the Kutuman and Sikh, but as Rabbi Nassim, Rabbi Nachman's primary disciple, writes in a number of places in Sikhas Rana and, and his magnum opus, the we're able to perceive Rabbi Nachman's incredible level. He says, You can see it in the Svarim. A person who had not purified his Koach Adibim to such a degree would never have been able to channel such exalted, glorious, broad, and deep teachings down into our realm. So Rabbi Nachman began again to attract Hasidim. <clears throat> the revolutionary nature of his path and the way in which Rabbi Nachman wasn't interested in being just like any other Hasidish Rebbe of the time, but he was trying to do something different, became apparent to those who were not within the circle of Rabbi Nachman and had their spiritual allegiances elsewhere. This led to a little bit of a, uh, uh, the, the beginnings 
of opposition toward Rabbi Nachman, which ultimately blossomed because of a number of different incidents, blossomed into a tremendous war that Rabbi Nachman experienced, this time not from Isnagdim outside the camps of the Hasidim, from the Hasidim themselves. And there were many hurt feelings, and Rabbi Nachman felt, and he taught again and again and again, that this was a positive thing. This was HaKadosh Baruch Hu trying to cause the Satan to feel as if it had no uh, reason to attack Rabbi Nachman personally, because that job was already being taken care of by Yidin, who of course would be far more merciful in their opposition and in their argumentation. And so Rabbi Nachman taught again and again that this is a good thing, and he encouraged his Hasidim to grin and bear. He taught again and again that the Hasidim were to experience humiliation, but not to respond. And in this way, Rabbi Nachman and the rest of the Hasidim that followed him, certainly Rabbi Nassim, we'll speak about in a moment, were able to overcome and to take the high road and to demonstrate what it means. As Chazal say, those that are embarrassed and don't respond, so about them, about these kinds of people, it says, it's an amazing, exalted, incredible level that these tzaddikim uh, uh, reached. Rabbi Nachman had a number of children, four of whom Nebuch were nifter in, in their youth. Among them was a boy, uh, two boys. One was called Shlomo Ephraim. Rabbi Nachman had incredible, incredible hopes for Shlomo, of course, being connected to the Geza, to the root of Mashiach ben David, Ephraim being a remnant to Mashiach ben Yosef. Rabbi Nachman felt that Mamish, this child, could really be Mashiach, and, and, and he felt it was, it was an enormous loss Nebuch, every every child and every every neshama leaving the world is a loss. But Rabbi Nachman felt particularly strongly about this, and he felt that it was because he had revealed secrets that this was happening to him. And the four surviving children of Rabbi Nachman were daughters, all of whom went on to marry. And we have Baruch Hashem, Meshbachas, and Yuchasis, Yisrael, who can trace their lineage back through those daughters. Rabbi Nachman himself suffered terribly from tuberculosis. Um, which completely racked his frail young body for many years. Rabbi Nachman suffered, suffered miserably, terribly, which is another reason why his proclamations of faith and of hope are so much more visceral than simply the canned uh, messages of encouragement that we may hear elsewhere, because from Rabbi Nachman, we can feel that this was a person who understood what it meant, challenge, who understood difficulty, who understood pain. And Afal Pikein, despite it all, or maybe... Daika, even specifically through it all, Rabbi Nachman was able to become a beacon of hope, a beacon of light, a beacon of prayer, a beacon of faith, a beacon of connection, a beacon of optimism, a beacon of vision for Am Yisrael, as Rabbi Nachman continued it, continuously spoke about the generations that would come after him to the point that Rabbi Nachman said, Ha'eshali, my fire, Tukar will burn at Bias HaMashiach. We cannot speak about Rabbi Nachman without speaking about Reb Nassim, of course, who, toward the end of Rabbi Nachman's life, Reb Nassim, began, Reb Nassim of Breslov, originally from Nemerov, <clears throat> who grew up in, a, in not just a non-Hasidic family, but, a, but, so to speak, an anti-Hasidic family, who went from court to court in his own spiritual yearning, not unlike Rabbi Nachman's spiritual longing and, 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 that, and that feeling of being compelled to search and to seek and to find, Reb Nassim shared that kind of energy. Reb Nassim went from Rebbe to Rebbe to Rebbe, but until he came to Rebbe Nachman, he didn't feel as if he found his spiritual home. But the moment that he met Rebbe Nachman, he knew that this was what he had been looking for, and he proceeded to become Rebbe Nachman's scribe. He proceeded to become Rebbe Nachman's primary Talmud, and if there was anything in the way of a successor, which there on, a, on an official level wasn't, Rebbe Nassim was that successor. Rebbe Nassim fought 
countless, countless wars, many different levels to continue to publish Rabbi Nachman's teachings, to spread Rabbi Nachman's teachings. And like Rabbi Nachman himself said, if not for my Nasala, not one word of my writings would have remained. And so everything that we have today really is a result of Rabbi Nachman's efforts, um, all of which are documented very beautifully in a book that was published by the Breslov Research Institute entitled Through Fire and Water, which I personally cannot recommend enough. And uh, so Rabbi Nachman left the world at a very young age. Rabbi Nachman left the world at the young age of 39 in the year 1810. And toward the end of his life, Rabbi Nachman began to re- reveal stories that are printed in a Sefer called Sipurim Isias. There are 13 wondrous original stories that are journeys, each and every one of them, soul journeys, thought journeys, that contain the deepest, deepest secrets of Kabbalah, about which thousands of pages have been written in Hebrew, and more recently in English, one of my personal projects, The Story of Our Lives, is a peerish on Rabbi Nachman's first story in Zippurim is called the story of the lost princess endless endless mysteries and layers and levels of the most glorious incredible depth rabbi nachman said that the world tells stories to put people to sleep but i put story tell stories to wake people up again the motif of there being sleep in a physical literal sense but then there being the possibility or capacity for sleep even among those who are already awake, which was of course Rabbi Nachman's feeling about Hasidus, that although everything was glorious and everything was working and there were Hasidic courts and there were Rebbes and there were Hasidim and there was Avodah Hashem and there was dancing, he still felt that we could awaken to a higher level of consciousness, to a broader level, to a deeper level where there's a higher L'Chathila we could be striving for. And that was Rabbi Nachman's intention in telling his stories. And ultimately Rabbi Nachman left us with a world of Torah thought captured in two volumes bound within one sefer called Lakuti Maran, the collection there are the collections of Rabbi Nachman um, of Breslov, Maharainu Rabbi Nachman, that's Maharan, and Lakuti Maran is split into Lakuti Maran um, Kama, the first Chalik, and Lakuti Maran Tinyana. Much of those Svarim were written by Rabbi Nassim himself, who recorded all the teachings, some of which took hours to relay, but Rabbi Nachman looked over every single word. Many of the Torahs are also written by Rabbi Nachman himself. Those begin with the heading Lashon Rabbeinu. And about those, Rabbi Nachman said, you can be Medayik Rosh and Seifer Tevis. He said like a Pasuk, <laughs> to that degree of incredible intention that Rabbi Nachman put into every single word and letter, all the Kabbalistic depths of exactly how many letters, to the point that Rabbi Nachman would sometimes erase letters in the middle of a sentence in order to have it aligned with the Kabbalistic uh, calculation that Rabbi Nachman had in mind. And... And, 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 and from those teachings are essentially all the other Breslov writings are either collections of parts of those teachings or commentaries on those teachings, like in the case of Rabbi Nassim's eight-volume Lukuti Alachas, where Rabbi Nachman uses, where Rabbi Nassim, rather, uses Rabbi Nachman's teachings in Lukut Imran to illuminate sugyas in Halacha throughout Shulchan Arach, all Dalach Laki Shulchan Arach. Rabbi Nassim has his own Sefer of Tfilas called Likutei Tfilas, which itself is a peerish in a sense on the Kutumran, taking every Torah and turning it into Tfilah. And so we have a world, a world, a world, Rabbi Nachman's spirit, where Rabbi Nachman said, take my hand and I will walk you on a new path that's really a very old path, the path that all of our fathers walked. And from the time of Rabbi Nachman, a very young man who at the peak of his Hasidus had about 500, 600 Hasidim at the last Rosh Hashanah, about which, of course, he made a very big deal. 
and uh, about his connection to Rosh Hashanah and his desire for his Hasidim to stay and to spend Rosh Hashanah with him both in his life and after his Petira, which of course is the reason that Breslov and Hasidim from around the world make every kind of effort to come to Rabbi Nachman as long as they can, if they can, when they can, and even many cases when they can't, but they still make this effort to be there. And Rabbi Nachman's path is one that has led to thousands and thousands and thousands of Bali Tshuva, thousands of Yidin that find their Yiddishkeit elevated, their consciousness woken up, even if they were already in a state of wakefulness. But they feel that Rabbi Nachman's stories, Rabbi Nachman's teachings, Rabbi Nachman's poetry, Rabbi Nachman's visions, Rabbi Nachman's messages are able to go ahead and take their life and their Yiddishkeit from our Messiah, from Tarish of Iksav, and Tarish of Alpeh, and Rishonim, and Achreinim, and, and Achreinim, Achreinim, and it's able to put a key into an ignition and turn the whole thing on in the most re- in the most remarkable, incredible uh, way. So that's a little bit about Rabbi Nachman in terms of his biography, and a little bit about what makes Rabbi Nachman unique among all the other Hasidic masters as well, just to share one piece of Torah from Rabbi Nachman that's very fundamental, and we hinted to it a little bit earlier, is this that Rabbi Nachman taught, that although the Zarek Kaddish says, Tzadik man da'achid that the Tzadik is one who unifies heaven and earth, on a simple level we can understand that as meaning, that the Tzadik is one that demonstrates the way in which somebody in the on the earth, in this world, a mortal being, a human, is able to remain connected to heaven. We can catch glimpses of heaven through the portal of this thing called the tzaddik. The tzaddik is where heaven and earth meet. That's true on a simple level. Rabbi Nachman said it means something deeper. He said that there are Jews, there are Yidin, who are Shemaim Yidin. They're mamish in the heaven, in the sense that they're always succeeding, and they're elevated, and they're lifted up, and they find that they're reaching big madregas. But then there are Yidin that are mamish in the dirt. And there are Jews that fall, and there are Jews that feel that life is difficult and challenging, and they have questions on Amuna and existential angst and anxiety and stress, and they're not able to feel Hashem's presence, and they're involved in behaviors that are dragging them down. So Rabbi Nachman said that Tzaddik needs to unify the two. How does he do that? So the Tzaddik says an amazing thing, that the Jews that are on the level of Shemayim need to receive the Hasaga, the perception of Aye Mikhaim Kivoidai, which means where is Hashem? Meaning to say, ah, you think you already reached the Madrega? No. Aye Mikhaim Kivoidai. The tzaddik needs to be able to demonstrate to you there are Madregas that are eons, that are light years beyond where you think you are, in, in the sense of wakefulness, like we spoke about earlier. And to the Jews that are in the Aretz, Rabbi Nachman has to, the, the, the tzaddik, in this case Rabbi Nachman, needs to deliver the opposite message. But the tzaddik needs to say, no, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is with you. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is by you, next to you. From that place you can connect to him. Even in Mibet and Sha'ol, even in the depth of hell, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence is perceptible and can be felt and can be connected with. And we can use that hand, so that no matter where we are, and no matter how we've fallen, we can find a way to pick ourselves up again. And in so doing, says Rabbi Nachman, that's Pshat and Kaddish, Tzadik, the Tzadik is man da'achid v'ara. He unifies the levels of heaven and earth by bringing down those who feel that they are floating up in the, in the heavens and bringing up those who feel that they've sunken down into the depth. That's the aspect of mashbal geyim u magbiyah shvalim, 
which we of course refer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu as having this capacity to bring down those that are mighty and bring up those that are lowly, but it's Sadiq who also is the, is the symbol for Ruchnius in the world and an expression, ultimate expression of the Chelek Al-Kamimah that all of us contain within Ba'amit Chulam Sadiqim has to be able to, be, to, to do the same. And ultimately, Rabbi Nachman teaches in the famous Torah Vav, the sixth lesson in the Kutumran, which is a Torah about Elul and about Shuva and about the process that all of us are on right now, this journey from Rosh Hashanah, Tiyam Kippur, through to Sukkot, Shemini Atzeres, ultimately the culmination. Rabbi Nachman teaches that all of us have both of these parts of us all the time. It's not just a typology. This kind of Jew is a Shemayim Jew. This kind of Jew is an Aretz Jew. But all of us go through the ups and downs. All of us go through what's described by Echeskel as the Ratzei Veshoi, the running and returning. We go through the summers and winters of our own Jewish experience. And sometimes we feel as if we're rising up and sometimes we feel as if we're sinking down into the depth. Rabbi Nachman says if you're connected to the spirit of the tzaddik, you'll always have something to keep you going, no matter what. If you feel that you're sinking into hopelessness, the tzaddik's there to give you the message, there's no despair in the world at all. And if you feel that you're on the level where Baruch Hashem things are going well, so Rabbi Nachman Ayin Vav, for example, which is about Libana Torah, with, 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 where Rabbi Nachman lays out a map of how every Jew can learn Kola Tarakula, enormous, enormous madrigas. Rabbi Nachman says, yes, that's expected of you. There is no such thing as a simple Jew. There is no such thing as simply checking the boxes and sufficing. Yiddishkeit is a journey. It's a tumultuous, incredible romance with HaKadosh Baruch Hu that we need to constantly be feeling and growing in our saga and in our perception. And and uh, and, and, and this ultimately, you know, Kraina de Igrisa, like, like the Gemara says, if Rabbi Nachman is the one who spoke about this, we find it by him the most, that he is the tzaddik that has a universal message to the point that his sefer is studied by the greatest mukubalim who are breaking their heads over every word and trying to get the, to the depth of Rabbi Nachman's intention. And at the same time, there's something there for everybody, for everybody, no matter who you are and no matter what you're going through, Rabbi Nachman offers us a, like I mentioned before, a key to the ignition of Yiddishkeit to really go ahead and take our Baruch Hashem, our, our successful engagement with the Shemir Samitzvahs and Limana Torah and our Tefillah and, 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 and Baruch Hashem, the culture of what it means to be an Orthodox Jew and, and to take it to unbeknownst heights or heretofore unknown levels of, 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 of an exalted, exalted experience filled with joy and filled with hope and filled with broad-mindedness and filled with penetrating depth and filled with also a tremendous sense of simplicity, of tamimus, of pshitus, of emuna, all of which is Rabbi Nachman's spirit captured in his svarim, captured in his chasidim, captured in generations of Avdi Hashem who have walked this incredible journey. And so on a personal level, my 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 spiritual headquarters is in Breslov, Baruch Hashem. I try to learn from a lot of different tzaddikim and see them all through the lens of of Breslov and 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 to and to try to use my connection with Breslov to put everything in a certain context within Rabbi Nachman's Hashkafa. The Breslov is my spiritual headquarters, without a question. Rabbi Nachman changed my life. Rabbi Nachman saved my life. Rabbi Nachman's teachings saved my life every day. And the one thing that I could that I can that I can bless Am Yisrael with is to continue to discover this treasure, to continue to discover this gem. And it is a gem and it is hidden. It's Mamash an aspect of Shabbos. The Zar Kadush says that the tzaddik is connected to the Bechina of Shabbos and about Shabbos it says, Matana Toiva Yeshli the base 
The treasure is, it's in the hidden place, and it's, it's, it's nignaz. And like Rebbe says, Vadaina or Nela, minister, the light is still hidden. Bavarach Hashem, as the generations roll on, and as Am Yisrael wakes up toward the ensuing Geula, we're discovering more and more and more the light of this remarkable individual, this remarkable neshama, this remarkable spirit, this remarkable portal to a realm that's beyond, to a realm that's filled with joy, to a realm that's filled with the presence of Hashem. To connect to the tzaddik, build a kesher litzadik, as is the name of this podcast, and utilize the opportunity of his yard site to do a little bit of a deeper dig into what we thought Breslov is, into what the stereotypes might be, and to say, okay, but maybe there's something here. Maybe there's something for me. Maybe there's something that can give a little bit of a kickstart to my own journey so that we can all, link arms and march toward the Gula with openness and with with vulnerability, with authenticity, with sincerity, woken up in the in, in the truest extent of the word, the Siyatarishmaya, to a very broad-minded, moichin the godless, expansive and beautiful uh, engagement with Yiddishkeit that's bursting with life. It's bursting with life and wakefulness, the Siyatarishmaya. So Shusa Yaganalenu, Rabinachan's marriage should protect all of us, wishing all of our incredible, wonderful Exalted listeners, the most beautiful rest of the Chag, and a good Moed, and thank you again to At Yard Sites for making this podcast possible and giving me the opportunity to share a few words about Rabbi Noah Kaddish. Kultur.